Let's go. Okay. Uh, who should do the like first round? Who should greet the, um, the listeners? You want to do that? I think you should start. You're the famous guy, so. Oh, I'm the famous <laughs> guy. That's cool. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, hi there and welcome to... Uh, oh, great. It's another base podcast. Episode one. Because uh, the world needs more base podcasts, we figured. So we decided to start one. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, since we're all so very famous, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, my name is Eric. I play bass on YouTube and with a few different bands. Uh, I've been doing so for quite a few years now. Um yeah, I think that summarizes everything about me, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> nice. Uh, my name is Samuel, but to keep it easy, say Sam, uh, because Samuel sounds very uh, stupid when you say it out loud every time. Um, been playing bass for about 25 years, since I was 10 years old. And like, I'm, I'm a nobody when it comes to being famous, but I've... I've studied and I've learned a lot of bass during 25 years, so that's me, I guess. Yeah, 25 years. You started when you were 10? Yes. And you were born in 86, yes. right? Yes. Okay, oh, all right. So technically 26 years since I just turned 36. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. I started about, I think I started, like, I consider myself starting when I was about 14 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I started taking music lessons when I was about... 12 or 13 or something like that but yeah. I only played bass for like half an hour every week <coughs> during the during the lessons that was when I played bass and uh, but what but like this the, the summer break between the eighth and the ninth grade I got mm. my first own bass and you know you know how it is yeah when you get your own <laughs> instrument you, you start playing a lot more so that was what I did so nice so yeah what so how did you start um well, like, I actually started playing drums initially, uh, or I started, like, actually started playing piano when I was seven, uh, and I started playing drums when I was ten, but drums were boring, and then I discovered Steve Harris of Iron Maiden, and I wanted to play bass. That That's basically how I started. <laughs> like, um, because I was, I was supposed to take drum lessons uh, in the public, like, county music school, but for some reason, my drum lessons and only my drum lessons were delayed by half a semester. So, so I was already like way behind on drums. <laughs> oh. So then I took up the bass, and yeah, and it stayed. I guess. Yeah. Never looked back. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, I I can hear hear one of your cats in the background. Yes, we 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 like cats. We yeah. Do. <laughs> it's, I I figure it's gonna be a lot of cats in this <laughs> podcast as well. Yes. Uh, my, uh, I showed Sam before we started that my cat took my chair before yeah. we... <laughs> so, so I'm sitting on one of the hard and uncomfortable ones and he's on the nice. comfortable office chair. Exactly. Uh, so, so, so influences, what are your influences mainly? I guess I guess we have the we've been talking about this before, but Steve Harris is one of the big big ones that we have in common. Yeah. I, I guess... Uh, I guess it's it's fair to point that one out. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently playing. I, I've got a bass in my lap, of course, and uh, it's my uh, Steve Harris Billy Sheehan tribute. Sheehan. <laughs> um, nice tribute bass, which is um, it's a it's a mix of the wife and the the Fender that Steve has been playing for all of these years. It's got the Steve Harris flat wounds on it, uh, uh, which are I mean they are kicking my ass, man. <laughs> these strings, I mean. I picked up my, my Yamaha that I've been playing for, well, almost ex exclusively for six years now, and it was so easy to play, nice. <laughs> because like the, those are like the round on strings that I'm used to, yeah. and these are the flats, and like on, on the Yamaha, the, the G string is a 43, and mm. this one is it's a 50, so there's, oh, yeah. no, there's no bending here, it's like you have to use two hands to even yeah. like move the string. And, but it's fun. It kind of it kind of forces me to play in a different way. Yeah. I guess you could say. Well, it's got a bit uh, of Phil Lina thing going on with a mirror pickguard. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Phil Lina and uh, who else? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And, and, and I mean, Steve. <laughs> 
Steve had the, the black base with a mirror pick card like yeah. around 80-81 so I figured this is a good approximation of everything that has influenced me uh, but aside from like aside from Billy we have of course oh sorry aside from Steve we of course have uh, Billy Sheehan yeah uh, I always mispronounce his surname yeah and same sorry yeah <laughs> I guess it it's it has to has to do with us being Swedes. I guess it's yeah. Like, it makes sense to pronounce it that way. So, uh, yeah, uh, no offense meant at all, Billy. <laughs> but yeah, Billy Billy is a huge influence on me yeah. uh, with the three finger technique and everything, and yeah. in his playing. And um, uh, Brian Beller, mm, the Aristocrats, yeah, yeah. and uh, of course Lee Sklar yeah. has been a huge influence on me as well. And I, I I thought about this a few days ago, and Paul McCartney. I, I yeah. spent quite a few years just learning Beatles songs. Absolutely. In in, in my Same. early teens. So what about you, apart from Steve? I mentioned a bit like about Paul McCartney, and I my my first musical love was the Beatles. I used to sit uh, with a stereo with my bigger brother and just listening to endless Beatles songs, basically. And the funny thing about Beatles songs is like the mono mixes in the beginning were very funny because if you if you panned to the left or the yeah. right, you could like almost solo the bass, yeah, or guitar or whatever. So so you can almost listen to McCartney, um, and. Like I said, Steve Harris was was the reason I picked up the bass. Honestly, one of my biggest influences on bass is Stevie Wonder. Like oh. his synth bass lines, yeah. it's a huge inspiration for me. Like the, the way, like the groove, the timing, um, and uh, like my biggest idol is Anthony Jackson on bass. Mm. Like it's it's hard to describe, but he's just like epitomizes like the 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 ideal bass player like there's n- nothing flawed no. with what he does everything is perfection yeah uh, amazing and like we were speaking about string gauges uh and like the flat ones the various flat yeah. ones so might as well do a segue to that uh on my custom bass i used to own my g-string was a 32 i think Whoa. it was very very light and honestly like light versus heavy strings I find in some ways that like a lighter string has better fundamentals, but a, th- a thicker string has like better overtones. If that makes sense? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Actually. Uh, and I, I don't know. I've I've always geared towards lighter strings. I use a forty set usually if if, if I play a four string. Uh, that feels like the proper way to play to me. Okay, so like 40 to 100, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, like okay, uh, yeah. All, all or zeros. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like influences, obviously I, I, I have to bring up John Mayung of Dream Theater. He was a big reason I, I like kept kept playing in my teen years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in that way also obviously Geddy Lee because Geddy Lee inspired John. So like yeah, I, do, I do a lot of octave playing just like they do. Mm. and like I used two fingers I've always used two fingers and when I was really young my bass teachers were very impressed of how the speed I had in my two fingers they always thought I was playing with three fingers oh yeah uh, and I've never used a three finger technique never okay uh, never, never even like attempted to I mean I've, I've attempted because one of my bass teachers in high school was uh, used three fingers but he realized well Sam, Sam you can play fast uh, anyway so you, you don't yeah. need it <laughs> do you use thumb anything uh, I do do the, like the Anthony Jackson like muted palm mute okay. thumb yeah. thing yeah but other than that it's mainly like finger style I've literally tried to pick up no pun intended pick playing but it just like never works for me <laughs> no I, I i totally get like in the studio i really enjoy playing with a pick mm. it kind of it kind of works there for me but when i play live i just i just drop it yeah and uh, like i I've, I've intended to do gigs with a pick sometimes yeah. uh, and it's just it, it's never worked out for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, i guess it's just part of my nature yeah and and yeah, uh, speaking of like playing with your thumb, I'm, I've been doing a lot of the. Uh, oh yeah, the Harris. Yeah, yeah, the Harris. Because we're doing a lot of. Uh, I'm playing in a, in an Iron Maiden tribute band, and we're doing a gig in two weeks, and we're doing, yeah. well, spoilers. We're doing uh, the Clansman, and we're doing Fear of the Dark, and there's a lot yeah. of you know, just plucking like yeah. tips like that, and 
these strings, they've been killing my thumb. Like, I've gotten <laughs> such a huge callus on my thumb. It's its crazy. <laughs> but does, I didn't Harry, does Harris play them with the thumb and, and like, yeah, index he, yeah, like that? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he does uh, thumb and index mm. like that. And... Yeah. Uh, he, he uses his he, he uses his thumb quite extensively during a lot of parts, like mm. during the that part. Oh yeah, and like Blood Mariner. Brothers and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah there's a lot of thumb, uh, thumb and index finger playing there. But yes. like for for that part in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, it's just thumb going yeah. down. I'm doing it like a thumb index middle. Yeah. More of a classic guitar type yeah. uh, playing, uh, but yeah. So it's it's been killing my thumb, which is awesome. I love like getting <laughs> big calluses <laughs> on my fingers. It like nice. it, it feels feels great yeah. to like put in the effort and all of that. So and, uh, speaking of Steve Harris, we we should make him the bass player of the week since we both yeah, came yeah. from uh, yeah. because I there's I wouldn't say controversy surrounding his, but a lot of people think Steve Harris plays with three fingers on his right hand. Yeah. And he technically does, but he uses them as two fingers. Yeah, yeah. The ring finger just uh, uh, <laughs> tags along. Yeah, it's it's two brothers. Like, oh, I want to play as well. It's it's, <laughs> it's a blur. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It, it, uh, I, as, have you seen the interview with Mike Kenny? His bass tech. Yeah, yeah. I've seen. Yeah, yeah. He he told he, he told the he told Tim Stars there of Tech Twenty One like that. He he was trying to convince Steve that you can play faster or more consistent triplets with three fingers <laughs> yeah. than with two. And I was like, no, it doesn't make sense to, that you can play triplets faster with three fingers. Uh, what? <laughs> Do the math. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but it's interesting because you you always hear that in discussions online. So, oh, yeah, his yeah. classic three-finger gallop, but it's no, 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 not it's a three-finger. Finger. Yeah. And, and, and it's like his technique is very interesting because it's almost like he's playing slap with his fingers. Yeah. He bounces on the strings, which is, which kind of makes sense. Not a, I've been sitting down like playing a like one and a half minute, one and a half hour, yeah. <laughs> sorry, long set, one and a half minute set yes. during the the the, uh, the 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 grind versions. No, yeah. like ninety minutes of our maiden tunes. Uh, if you play them like the way that I do, which is kind of you know I, I I dig in. Yeah, yeah. If you do it like that, it's it's really hard. Yeah, it's really fatiguing. You re you really like need to build up your uh, endurance yeah. whereas how steve plays them like he nico said he he tickles the strings yeah kind of makes sense like yes which which is really hard as well you really need to like spend some time with that yeah. i can't do it properly but yeah but it's basically like a piano player using like yeah. the 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 up force of the the keystroke going back to to like yeah. pedal and it makes sense because, because i mean they're all in their 60s as of now and yeah like playing that like digging in like that doesn't really work when you're that no, old no. <laughs> no unless you've like done it for your entire life like billy has i mean he's been oh really he's, his, he, yeah. he has a hard touch i never thought yeah oh yeah oh, like wow. crazy hard touch apparently mm. uh, which is why like when a lot of guys mimic his settings on their compressors like oh, it doesn't sound like it no because he <laughs> Because his right hand can crack a coconut. It's oh, like, wow. it's crazy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> but but I get me, it, it has to do with like maintaining muscles and everything. It's like yeah. being an athlete, I guess. Yeah. Like it's it's the same with Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson. Like they, they need to maintain their voice and their Absolutely. physique. And it's like, it's the same with your hands. You need to maintain them. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you know what they say about the bass playing muscles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go into that now, but no. people know. If you know, yep. you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, Steve Harris. Like, do you know the 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 theory of the Harris box? You probably do. Uh, yeah, yeah. That you do the. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need to to know to play Steve Harris bass lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And you move them. You, you don't care about the key. So yeah, if you're absolutely. In e, if you're in e my e, if you're in E minor, you've got E A B E. Uh, and you can move it down to C, and you can yeah. still get, still get the F there. It's like, right. why do you? <laughs> it's totally out of out of key, and it's it doesn't really matter. But it's because it's like his signature style. Yeah. And like the funny thing is, Steve Harris is the main songwriter for, for Iron Maiden. He's always been, and he writes 
all the songs on bass first like yeah. everything like all the riffs for the guitars like the drum parts like even the song melodies somehow is i know i know bruce has a lot of say in it now but like he he, he writes everything on bass which is very yeah. unusual even for bass players yeah and, and whistles he he, <laughs> he whistles them down to a recorder he used to do it i don't know he does it these days but yeah, yeah that's I think Bruce described it as a sherry postman going up the, the hill <laughs> yeah. when he heard the, the demo for the trooper, yeah. <laughs> which is which is kind of fun. And I mean, like all things considered, like he's he's such an amazing songwriter, and yeah. the things that he's done with four chords, yeah, just the E C G D, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I I spent some time with the, the sign of the cross yesterday because we're gonna yeah. hopefully pick it up. Uh, soon for the set uh, in the future and it's like yeah it's, it's the same for chords essentially yeah but it's a whole different song compared to you know blood brothers or the trooper or what have you it's like yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and like i don't know let's let's speak talk about our favorite albums my my two favorite albums you know this are somewhere in time and seven sun Mm. Uh, because I like the proggy nature. Because yeah. like Steve Harris, he, he said at heart he's always been like a prog musician. He was inspired a lot by like Genesis and Yes and those kind of bands. Yeah, when he and Jethro Tull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also the punk movement, obviously. Uh, yeah, don't say that to him though. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what a punk. Killers and Iron Maiden, the first two albums, they're basically punk rock, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Just uh, well played and well produced. Yeah. And uh, yeah, where, where was I going with this? Um, yeah, favorite albums, albums. yeah. yeah. Um, like, like you said, the four chords, but then they add the synths on top of that and the guitar synths, yeah. and it just changes. Like heaven can wait for like uh, the, the intro, or yeah, and it's uh, exactly. And like every time they play it live, you know, the whole crew comes up on stage, yeah, and oh, I, yeah, love yeah, I love it. Love that. Yeah, like, <laughs> sing along. Yeah. Um, then, uh, yeah, and I actually listened to Seven Sun this morning. I was going to talk to you about that. Uh, I listened to the the live version from a few years ago. Mm. I think it was in from Germany or oh, something yeah. like that. And Bruce, I, I preferred the way that he sang it there compared to the live uh, made in England '88. Yeah. Actually, because I don't know, it suited his like more mature voice now. Yeah, um, he he really did it justice and like. They kind of like they've settled with the tempos, which kind of mm. suits songs like that. Yep. Like some songs benefit from like the <laughs> ADHD overdrive <laughs> uh, tempo, like Aces High or stuff yeah. like that. But this one really like the more laid back tempo, if you will. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it really worked with that song. It was just amazing. And um, yeah, and, and the part, you know, the. Yeah. <laughs> like. Don't try to count that because <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, there is probably some logic to it. If you if if you were to talk to Steve, like, how do you how do you think about this like section? Yeah. But when when you try to like figure out, it's like, oh man, like, okay, so you added a bar of three eight there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it works. Yeah. And that's another example of him like moving the. Yeah. Classic. Move it down to C instead, like. But I mean, it, it works, and like, if you analyze it music theory-wise, you get the mediantic shift there, which really like, I mean, it, yeah. it, it speaks so dramatically, yeah, uh, like sonically, so to speak. But I don't think, he, I mean, he doesn't think that he doesn't, he didn't yeah. like. Oh, let's go for the. Uh, let's go for a, right. a, a median no shift there no so yeah yeah um, but, yeah, yeah but it's true because like you see like E D C and B those chords are like the four main uh, yeah. chords and like uh, the C is obviously a median to E so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah like when you when, when you talk about it you realize how many songs like have those chords and it's like uh, it's 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 um, different from the you know classical triad of like subdominant dominant tonic, yeah. uh, and that's kind of I, I guess it's a metal sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the podcasts that I've been on uh, quite extensively, the Maiden A to Z, mm. they talked about Moonchild yesterday, and Jonathan there he pointed out that the 
that six that's like the most metal interval yeah of them all. And I, 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 I'm inclined to agree actually um, but yeah so I mean we share one of the favorite albums Seven Sun is one of my all time favorites as well yeah. uh, however Brave New World I think that's like the big yeah. uh, number one album for me because oh. that was like the first one that I really you know geeked out to yeah. if you will yeah uh, fell in love with and there are so many epic songs on that one yeah. you know Ghost of the Navigator oh, Green World Blood Brothers all of those and uh, Out of the Silent Planet yeah, oh yeah. my favorite I'm, I'm actually yeah. in that video you can s- see me like briefly in the in the audience oh. yeah from the st- stadium in Stockholm <laughs> oh really oh shit that's awesome yeah and of course we can't speak about Brave New World without bringing up Kevin Shirley no no because he's a big part of the fact that Maiden stuck together all these years apparently like they, his apparently his like production and mixing really inspired them to do new stuff yeah and the way I think the way he approached them like to play live in the studio yeah. as well and not just do the overdubs and all of that they've, that they've been doing for years and years because I mean their songs really benefit from that you know yeah. not time aligned quantized stuff that you get from everyone else yeah. I mean if Maiden were to do an album with, say, um, um, oh, um, my mind is Rick Rubin. Right no, not Rick. Really. <laughs> that would be interesting. No, uh, oh, Judas Priest. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Andy. Uh, yeah, Andy Sneap. Yeah. yeah. If they were to do an, I mean, I'm not saying that Andy Sneap would time align everything, but mm. uh, I know that, like, from listening to Rob Halford's book and stuff like that, uh, he's he's very meticulous and very like. You know, okay, do it again, do it again, do it again. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't think that would suit Maiden and like modern production. I don't think they would benefit from all of the things that you can do these days. I, I know that there is like some some drum samples on Senjutsu and there is also on, on Brave mm. New World, but like in in that sense, it it it, it works. But like using time alignment and uh, yeah. stuff like that, I mean, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be right. Yeah, I agree. And like, also Kevin Shirley, he's one of the few like producers I've actually been able to spot in a mix without knowing. Uh, do you know Mr. Yeah. Big's What If? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listened to guy. I listened to like first uh, Undertow. Is it Undertow? No, first song. Yeah, yeah, that's on uh, that's on the album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I said like, wait, this has to be Kevin Shirley, and yeah. surely it was. No pun intended. No. <laughs> actually way pun pun intended yeah way. <laughs> yeah uh but like he's 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 also not a perfect guy because like uh, when he did train of thought with dream theater um uh, there's a lot of clipping on that album does it really matter no no because it still sounds good and uh, by the way like my, my favorite dream theater album <laughs> yeah oh well, yeah i agree with you on that one yeah. it's like it's such a cool album and yeah, yeah and it's not over it's not oversaturated in terms of like layering. Yeah. It's not like it's not like quad track guitars. Yeah. Maybe there is, but you don't you don't react to them yeah. that way. It's not like oh, it, it feels live in the room. Yeah, in a way, and yeah, and there's a rawness to the mixes Kevin Shirley does. Like and and the bass always gets to take take like center stage. Yeah, uh, Mayong is really driving like the the music forward in, in that album. Because he's actually audible for once, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was when it was with uh, with Yamaha, right? Yes, when he had, yes, yeah, his, his final his album, I believe. No, no, no actually, he, did, did he do Octavarium? Yeah, he did. yeah, Octavarium yeah. as well. He had that uh, RBX thingy with yeah. the one big uh, Music Man pickup. Yeah, on that one. I saw them live yeah. during the Train of Thought tour because the album was actually released in Europe before the rest of the world. So oh. they actually toured in Europe before the album was released in the US. And I saw them at uh, Hovet in Stockholm, and the bass sound was just immaculate. It was amazing. That was a Yamaha, oh, the second one. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny how many things that uh, Yon Myung and Billy has have in common, yeah. like in terms of gear, like Yamaha basses. Pierce. Obviously, yeah, and the Pierce, and yeah. It's, uh, and I know that Talos was a huge influence on both Myung yeah. uh, and uh, Portnoy yeah. back in in the days if you listen to the first one dream and day unite like the bass is almost not audible but it's very much a billy she in 80s sound because yeah if you see like a promo material for that 
record. He had like a stingray where he put like a mud bucker and a peepee cup in. <laughs> yeah. I think he used that in Images and Words as well, actually. I mm, if I remember my lore correctly, I think he used a Spectre 4 string on, on Images and Words. We, we, I need to Google this. <laughs> <laughs> there, I've, I've seen live footage on him playing the bass solo for Metropolis on a Spectre 4 string. Yeah. yeah but I mean. I think he used various basses. Yeah, actually. probably. I, I'm not. Uh, but it's funny like how many of your favorite artists kind of blend together like that were producers yeah. and everything because like uh, in my opinion Dream Theater started sounding poorly when Kevin Shirley left the last album he did for them was Live Budokan which has an amazing live mix uh, yeah. but then they just like I don't know if it's uh, the fact that Portnoy left soon after but uh, they just haven't sounded the same no. Then, basically I mean I, I did enjoy the mix on the latest album yeah actually yeah. Uh, and his sneep again yeah and that was at his sneep <laughs> fun enough yeah. uh, I have the utmost respect for his work and like the way he yeah. does stuff but uh, yeah uh, yeah that's interesting yeah I, 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 Anyway, should we move on? We've been yeah, speaking for on. a long time without even yeah. touching our subjects today. Uh, no, but it's good. I mean, this is the first episode. It's the pilot. Yeah. Yes, let's just roll with it. I mean, I'm thinking that the general idea with this podcast is not that it's going to be, you know, fast-paced yeah. and uh, clickbaity, if you will. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be more, you know, chillaxed. And two uh, Swedish guys joined a podcast. You never believe yeah. what happened next. <laughs> Two guys from Sweden. Oh, One podcast, right. two lives, etc. A lot of cats. Uh, it's <laughs> <a> lot of <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. we were thinking about doing new gear. Yeah, new gear, new stuff. Yes, That's I think yeah. I'll start. Uh, so Mono Neon, he's a thing. Yeah, he's he really is. Yeah, it's like regardless of what you think about his style choices, like I like his colors. I, I I've always liked bright colors, uh, and like uh, I I wouldn't wear his style on me personally, but like he just had a signature base release. Yeah, and it looks like a Swedish uh, road worker in the colors. <laughs> <laughs> like literally that's, that's that was his inspiration for the colors i want to look like a road worker uh but it's it's a fantastic bass and it sounds absolutely amazing and it's one of the most unfenderish sounding basses if that makes sense yeah fender have been on have been on a roll recently yeah. actually with like cool new releases uh, in terms of gear yeah uh, a lot of like stuff that you wouldn't expect them to release a few years ago. Yeah, uh, and the Moloneum bass it has like the specs are really cool, like the the big double jazz humbuckers. Uh, because I'm a humbucker guy when it comes to bass, I like like the complex mid range character they give yeah. to to a sound to bass sound, um, and it's just like. Uh, it, it can go anywhere from like very aggressive and harsh to, to smooth sounding uh, in that bass and it's yeah it's, it's a cool thing that Fender are actually trying new you know new stuff very much so yeah I mean the old classics will always work you know the P bass the jazz bass yeah. they will always be classics but it's cool to see that they can evolve yeah and something like dare to innovate if you will yeah um, but is it a how many frets are it yeah. I think it's 22 oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. Ha- yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was hoping there would be a twenty-four fret. That would have been really, <laughs> really cool. I they, I think they've only done like two twenty-four fret models or something yeah. like that uh, over the years. The old Stu Ham bass was twenty-four. Yeah, and I think Victor Bailey. Oh yeah. Signature. Yeah. I think that one was a twenty-four fret. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Uh, the problem is they have to mess with the classic jazz bass shape in that case, like yeah. extend the cutaway and everything. Yeah. Because the regular old jazz bass doesn't like allow for that. No. No, sadly, but yeah, <sighs> it is what it is. Yeah. It, yeah, I know. I know. EBS did uh, some custom cabs for him as well. Oh, from interesting. Neon, which also looked like you know. You <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can imagine. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I would never wear his style, but I really appreciate that he he does. Yeah, uh, and uh, totally awesome player, outrageously yeah, absolutely great. Uh, 
amazing time, amazing licks, everything. Yeah. It's like he's great. Uh, and really cool that he's got a signature bass now. Yeah. It's, it's am- awesome. I might yeah. even get one eventually. It's I like it that much how it looks and sounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go for it. Yeah, You're be- gonna <laughs> because like I'm an I'm an extrovert, extroverted guy. Like a lot of bass players just like to stand in the back, grooving with a drummer. And I mean, I like that, but I also like to be center stage. You know. <laughs> yeah. And you're gonna be you gotta be noticed with that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the the uh, the traffic market called. They want yeah. their uh, colors back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, what else? Dark Glass released yeah. two new amps, like mini yeah. versions of their classic microtubes and uh, Alpha Omega amps. Yeah, and I've I've demoed them and I've tried them mm. and I've got them and uh, I got one in front of me actually. I got the uh, uh, microtubes two hundred here on nice. my tiny pedal board nice. i've got here yeah for me. and uh, i mean it's a really cool practice amp yeah uh, and it's pretty loud actually i mean i know that uh, the bass channel they, they did a video about like is loud enough for a big stage yeah yes and no <laughs> uh, and and i i i talked about that in a video that i did as well yeah. because i mean if you're gonna use it just for some slight monitoring on stage and you're relying on the big pa for like the main oomph then it's going to work out just fine. Uh, however, I wouldn't rely on this uh, only to like uh, fill out the <clears throat> low end on a big, big ass stage. Yeah. But just for you know, if you got a nice cabinet with it, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're probably gonna hear yourself uh, uh, good enough. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's it's cute. It's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh, for me someone who just still doesn't have a driver license or a car like having a small thing that i can bring to like because so many times you go to a gig and it's like oh we have three marshall half stacks for the for the guitarist and here's a direct box for the bass player yeah here so, you go thank you thank you kind sir uh, prepare yeah. to suck yeah <laughs> could, could i also have a cup of coffee maybe or is that too much to ask no. <laughs> I can punch. I can punch you in the face if you like. Oh, thank you. The last time I had a gig, I had to write like we had to sign a contract saying we couldn't appear on stage for two weeks before or after the gig. What? And also, they, they, there was like I'm a lawyer, and there, this was like a lawyer contract for a one-time gig. And at the end, they introduced us with the wrong band name. Holy! <laughs> sh- can you talk about what it was? Uh, it was. A long time ago it was uh hellbar i think it was okay. called uh, i can't remember but it was like uh, uh, i don't know <laughs> uh, shit. yeah it was a bit embarrassing for us just like so we had to say after our first song so by the way this is our name <laughs> holy shit, yeah but, but my point was there wasn't a bass amp no the classic so luckily i had brought my aguilar tone hammer 350 with me so i can get a decent bass tone anyway yeah but like yeah because like that's kind of a thing nowadays like big amps are mostly for show and like yes, big yeah. festival stages and stuff yeah exactly and like even the smaller amps i've got the ebs raidmar yeah. 752 now and it fits in my gig bag on like the outer pocket there and it's it's so loud and it can drive yeah. like two <laughs> two eight tens if you wanted to nice. i mean you don't need more than yeah. <laughs> more power than that. I mean, a tube amp is always going to be a tube amp, yeah. and a tube amp is awesome and amazing, uh, as long as you got a roadie, yeah, uh, <laughs> or two roadies. Yeah. Uh, however, like for like for the types of gig that I do, and I, I I did quite a few festival gigs this summer with a lot of different bands, and mm. I I never dreamt of bringing a, a tube amp yeah. along with me it, it it never made sense to like yeah. oh i'm gonna rent an svt yeah. rig and just go for it like no right. <laughs> because usually the back line on those kind of gigs is already an ampeg svt so exactly or quite often these days here in sweden ebs yeah. stuff which which i really like yeah. and it was the case in denmark as well which nice. was uh, was a good thing because I, I i like ebs yeah, yeah a lot um and yeah to segue back to the the 200 series yeah. one of the things that a lot of us youtubers reacted to is the fact that the di output is just a clean di and not ah. the no. the amp tone which i i don't know why that is kind of 
that is actually kind of a letdown to me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I guess there is a reason, and I'm I'm guessing that it's catered towards being a practice amp, and that's mm. why they chose to do so. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of bummed me out to yeah. be honest with you. Um, because we- I mean, you got if you if you use the headphone output, you get uh, you actually get. Uh, the, cab sim? the full ex- yeah I mean, you get a cab sim and the full experience yeah uh, hmm. I guess you could like do some uh, di box magic with that but yeah that seems like a like a missed opportunity to me because we have this as a topic we'll we'll be revisiting this topic later with cab sim and everything yeah uh, but yeah but it's it's a cool it's a cool uh, thing and you know me I've been speaking about I want an X amp yeah X series amp that's all I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, I'll be like frying Futurama, shut up and take my money. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> I, uh, I, I totally get that. I tried, uh, when I was playing with a lot of pedals, I had both a Alpha Omega and a, an X. And I used them both at the same time. That was yeah. like such a brutal the, bass tone. <laughs> and uh, like I've, I've used the X quite a lot as well. Yeah. And that's the, the way that I find it sounds better. Yeah. Or, or the best if you place it before a regular if you will yeah. distortion circuit yeah. it kind of kind of smooths things out a bit and makes it sound more yeah. i know organic yeah um whereas just the x sounds more a bit sterile yeah uh, and some players love that and it works great for their tone uh for me i kind of i kind of like the the more um organic yeah way i don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah no, no i get what you're saying and uh it worked great through my Aguilar. Uh, tone hammer like that has a warm fussy bass tone yeah and speaking of fuss yeah speaking of fuss <laughs> what the fuzz yeah <laughs> see what i did there yeah we got the we got the new uh dual fuss engine also nice. from dark class uh, which is released uh this past tuesday uh mm. november 29th Interesting. um and uh, i got the opportunity to demo it nice. on my my youtube channel and yeah, I mean, I've never been a fuss guy. Yeah. Never. But this one is really cool. Yeah. I, uh, it's a lot of fun. I like it. Um, it's it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> also, they're, they're going for cute. Yeah. Uh, well, I like the design. It's very simple and clean. Yeah, and for, for this one, it really works. Yeah. Like, because the original one had four controls. You had the blend, the level, yeah. duality, and filter. Yeah. And uh, you've got level and duality on the top, so you can go between the different. Uh, mm. Nice. And the. So yeah, you got uh, you got access to that and the level nice. uh, control as well. So yeah, really cool, fuss. Um, yeah. And yeah, great to see it being brought back. I know that a lot of players. Um, Really enjoyed yeah. the duality. Uh, oh, you're gonna kill me now! Uh, <laughs> your favorite bass player from uh, between the Dan Briggs. Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, I was Dan literally Briggs, about yeah. to to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a huge uh, advocate for that yes. one, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Quite a few players have really like yeah. asked for it, this one, like a a revival, yes. if you will, of the duality. So it's it's fun to see it yes. being brought back and. Uh, yeah, if you're in, if you're in the market for a fuzz, go check it out. Yeah. He uses it at the end of Telos. Oh, uh, if like he even he even adjusts it in real time live. It's it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, <That's> a... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I met though. him before the gig uh, three years ago, uh, like forty five minutes before the gig. It's like everything is nervous, and he actually stopped to talk bass with me. He's such a nice guy, That's really awesome. cool guy. Um, yeah, like, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like my bass tone clean, but with a slight edge of like drive. Yeah. Uh, and f- like, I've never had much of a use for fuss, but, but like, uh, for the people that use fuss, I think the dualities are top notch. Yeah, totally. And if you use it with an octaver and uh, a chorus, which I've got uh, <laughs> set up here, Ooh. you got the... Nice. Space base. Yeah, <laughs> you you can really get the space base there. So yeah. uh, I, I totally see the appeal of core. Uh, or, or sorry, of um, of fast pedals and um, 
maybe I'll add it to my pedal board and just have it for the neck pickup mm. of my basses because nice. I mean it's good to try new things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess. Uh, new things. Uh, uh, two yeah, notes. They have a new bass preamp coming out called Revolt. Yeah, it's been it's been delayed quite yeah. a bit, and uh, as far as I know, they're about to start shipping the demo uh, mm. samples soon, nice. um, which is great. I, I've got one coming in, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited to to see what it's sounds like i yeah. mean two notes have done some stellar stuff yeah. over the years the cab m amazing cab sim uh, yeah. unit uh, and yeah just really great stuff the um, what's it called the le base was yeah. also really cool uh, really cool preamp i know uh, gustav yelm uh, oh really yeah enjoys that one um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a three channel or like three yeah. three tone um, pedal, which is always cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And it's uh, it's modeled on an Ampeg SVT, a Marshall Super Bass, and a yeah. Fender Bassman, I believe, wasn't it? Maybe not. Uh, but it but it has like uh, the specs are really intriguing to me because it has like a classic clean channel. That's a vintage dirt channel, and it has like a modern drive thing yeah. going on, uh, and it, it has a proper tube that gets fed. They say 200 volts. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical to this because 200 volts, the pedal that size could be. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it'll be fine, but th- that yeah, takes yeah, a lot of capacitors considering it's like a 12 volt DC in. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, knowing them, they they probably have a way to figure it out because yeah. i mean uh, because it's two notes i mean they've done the yeah they did the capture and all that so they they know their their way around high voltage yeah. stuff and uh, high impedance stuff yeah. so uh, that's cool. yeah that's usually like a huge part of you know every time i see a tube in a pedal yeah it's like is it just for show right. is it just an led lighting up or is it actually being fed to some <laughs> actual you know yeah current so to speak so um yeah, and, and yeah. let's speak about that for a while, like tube versus... And a lot of people, like, like w- what I get from tubes, I'm a big tube amp guy, even though I don't have a car or driver's license, but, uh, <laughs> like, uh, that harmonic breakup, you know, like, it's, it's not necessarily about the drive, like, pure distortion. It's like, even even at clean levels, when you drive them, like, push them, you get that kind of... You get, like, a sweeter frequency response in some way. The, the natural compression yeah. of the tubes, I guess you could call it. I, I recall my first time playing that. Um, it was outdoors up in my home village. Yeah. Uh, I was playing my, my old Fender P63 nice. uh, through an MPEG full, yeah. <laughs> full stack. Yeah. And I was like, this, this feels amazing. Yeah. That's like a huge part of like tube amps. Especially for, for tones like that, it really works. Yeah. Uh, for bass tones that are more uh, vintage sounding, if you will. However, if you use a five string, I I, I really prefer uh, uh, solid state yeah. actually, because there is more uh, low end information yes. in those uh, lower frequencies. Yeah, and that I mean, it's just it's just physics. Yeah, and, it is. Uh, and and the fact that a five string bass didn't exist when right. the first SVT yeah. was uh, announced, so to speak. Yeah, and let's. Let's segue that to uh, speaking of cab sim and everything. We talked about this previously because, uh, like you said, an old like vintage amp, it doesn't really have the frequency information for a five string, right? No. It's basically like, and, and, and that, that's also why we like having different amps because the amps they take away the information in bass you don't need, right? If that makes yeah. sense, like. Yeah. I'll start the conversation by the last time I was in a professional studio, uh, I brought my my amp with me because I wanted to have a DI sound because I like that DI sound. And like, that's the sound I, I, I'm comfortable with. Uh, but the producer was like, no, 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 you gotta have a clean full range signal. And I was like, okay, like you're the expert, I'll, I'll try your thing. Yeah. But the thing oh, is, in the headphones, I just got all this mishmash of like different frequencies oh, I, I didn't want. And it sounded nothing like me. It sounded nothing like the bass tone I, I strive for. So I was very uncomfortable. Uh, and 
like I get the point of having like a clean signal, but a clean signal is one thing. Uh, a full range signal is something else because there's yeah. so much information past what is it, fifteen hundred hertz in bass yeah, tones that isn't really yeah. needed. No, exactly. I mean, I usually high cut my bass tones at around one thousand nine hundred hertz. Yeah, is cut most of it away, mm. uh, no matter what tone I'm going for. I mean. I'm not a big slap and high high five yeah. <laughs> tone guy, but I mean, usually you don't need that information because it's gonna be it's gonna be cymbals and guitars and vocal like yeah. there's gonna be so much information there. Absolutely. Uh, anyways, and uh, yeah, and the thing about like running just a clean DI, I mean that's I mean uncompressed and unfiltered and all of that like like that's torture. Yes. Yeah. And especially if it's not a good clean DI yeah. sound, you know, I mean, if you got a really high fi DI box that you know does it justice, then I mean, I can see the point of recording and playing through that mm. because it, you can hear every nuance. But I mean, in in a band setting, yeah. if you're recording with a band, I mean, no way. I, I yeah. always that's why I'm like a huge pedalboard guy because I always have my tone with right. me. Uh, I'm not. I'm not relying on amps for much of the tone shaping. Actually, I'm usually like just using them as clean power yeah. to power the tone that I'm uh, feeding from uh, my quad cortex or whatever I'm running at the moment. And mm. to, to segue into another aspect of this, like the the full range aspect of uh, digital, I, I guess I, I've been mm. talking about this before yeah. that. One of the reasons why people think that, oh, it sounds digital, it's because you get the full range. Yeah. <laughs> because digital unit, I mean, because digital units, they, they, they want to represent 20 to 20,000. They yeah. want to do that because that's, <laughs> okay, humans can hear this. So let's give them that. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, a, uh, a mic'd up uh, SVT, if you will, yeah. There is no information around those. I mean, yeah. there's only hiss. There is like, there, yeah. I mean, there is no information, but there it's not needed. Yeah, uh, I guess you could say. And it's also about giving like the front of house guy like a good signal to work with, you know, because if the yeah. front of house gets a bass signal, that's also like you say, like goes into the the symbols or the vocals or the piano or anything, it'll be a mess. And like, yeah. uh, take the Bergantino uh, digital amp series, like the Forte, the VM, they all have like high pass and low pass filters uh, to use like all the time because like so many live shows you go to, like the bass is just down there with a the kick drum. And here's a newsflash, yeah. they don't occupy the same sonic space no. or they, they don't even have the same function no. in that case. And like, I, I was at Pub Anchor recently and uh, like the guitar sounded great they were using Kemper profilers uh the drums sounded great the vocals sounded great but the bass was just like it was basically like um a slow day at a lake where the waves were washing up on the shore that kind of feeling oh, you know <laughs> yeah like no definition no punch no nothing because it was all down, like down below like 60 hertz or something <laughs> yeah that, i mean it always breaks my heart when i hear tones like that yeah. and uh, especially if there's like a bass player who really cares about his or her tone yeah. and has brought you know a nice rig or a nice pedal board yeah. and everything it's like no we're just going to use a clean die <laughs> <laughs> I mean right. I even added a sticker to my wireless unit that says not a clean die <laughs> uh, because uh, at first I was like oh I'm going to write clean die here yeah. and I, I told it to uh, Andreas Pasmarik and Hogge and those guys yeah, yeah. who are part of the uh, Swedish protoboss community and we're like no don't do that please don't do yeah. that <laughs> because that's basically what a cab sim does for a sound like uh, like a, a, a physical cabinet it removes like some of those resonant peaks it removes like some of the information below like like me i'm like i can't stand an open cab i need to have a sealed cab because i i find that open like in general open cabs have that loose kind of low end that i don't want in my sound yeah flubby uh, yeah flubby is like uh, and like i want focused i want mid-range like i want to cut through uh but yeah that's basically like i mean i know it's in the word cab simulator or simulation but 
that's why you want that kind of stuff in a DI from a bass amp or from a pedal because it gives like the front of house guy a proper bass tone to work with. Yeah. You don't have to like EQ it in a certain way. It's just there already. And especially like exactly. you, when you use a lot of distortion, it's like Alpha and Omega, you need to you need to have a cab sim because distortion yeah, I mean, without uh, a high pass or low pass just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the tone that you hear right now yeah. is through the uh, Microtrupus Infinity and I've got a cab sim there. Yeah. I'm going to bypass it just for just for the listeners now. Yeah. So I'm going to bypass it. And I mean, yeah. it works, but if I kick on the fuzz... Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's like so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so here's what it's gonna sound like with with the capsim. Yeah, much better. Yeah, and again, like even in a mix, some like the producer in the studio said like, oh, but in the mix, I want to have a full range because it'll stand out better. Like, but you forced me to play with the setting. Even forced me to play with the setting on my bass. I wasn't comfortable with. Like oh, really? all, all neck pickup. Like I usually play dead center with both pickups. Yeah. Uh, to get that kind of like punch and, and like fullness. But it was like basically the, the bass sounded like like sinus tone, you know. <laughs> yeah. D did you provide him with like here's what we want to sound like? like yeah, a... absolutely. I showed him before I even plugged in my, my Aguilar and I'm still like this is how I want to sound. But no, it'll be much better and we can reamp oh, and blah blah blah. Oh. <laughs> And then I started like talking with some producers and mixes online after that. Like, is this what he should have done? And they were all on my side. It's like, no, no. the role of the producer and engineer is to make the bass player comfortable. <laughs> yeah, make the entire band comfortable and yeah. bring out the best in them. Yeah. Not to go for his or her vision of like, this yeah. is how a great album should sound like. To be, I mean, to be fair, the studio is a school as well. So I think a lot of the teacher aspect came out in the engineer. Yeah, probably. Then again, I mean, to segue back to Steve Harris and Iron Maiden, like on the first album, the producer there, uh, Will, he told told Steve to play with a pick. Instead. Oh yeah, I heard. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean, uh, and if you listen to the tone on that album yeah. compared to Killers yeah. and Number of the Beast, you can really hear like, okay, here's here's what it was supposed to sound yeah. like on, on Killers, and uh, yeah. Um, the producer was never heard from again. No. no. <laughs> He wasn't. He, I mean, he didn't even get to say in. I don't know. He, he maybe he wasn't alive mm. uh, at the time, but he he didn't get a say in the documentary, the early days. No. Uh, but also, like uh, like you said, playing with a pick capsim is hugely important because a lot of the, like the pick attack uh, that like makes the sound like stand out, like the clickiness. Uh, it makes so much more sense from a cab, you know. Yeah. Uh, because you can like like you just demonstrated you get like if you get all those high range frequencies in a fuss it just sounds like a broken yeah, radio yeah yeah terrible <laughs> <coughs> sounds terrible yeah okay he, he's uh, he's still alive will malone mm. um turned 70 this year ah, um, interesting i mean he's got a nice resume todd rundgren uh, ah. black sabbath actually ah. i think yeah uh Depeche Mode. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't get much uh, love after yeah. the uh, the album. Interesting. Um, That's a good segue to uh, another topic I had about Vigia, you know, the bass yeah, yeah. manufacturer from yeah. France. Uh, uh, Geezer from Sabbath played them on the Dehumanizer albums and tour, and Roger Glover oh, yeah. from Deep Purple obviously plays them. And I saw, I saw Deep Purple live many many years ago like 25 years ago almost uh and he was using a bass that sounded so amazing i had to know what bass it was and it was a vigia, or vigia. doesn't uh, doesn't bumblefoot play one uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah they have the fretless the fretless yeah. steel uh, fretboard yeah. guitars the excalibur and i yeah. think guthrie govan plays one as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just sad, like uh, a really amazing French bass brand, like not not very well known, but they make amazing quality basses for not that expensive. No. And I'm actually thinking of nabbing one of the last basses being produced next year. Sounds like a good. Yeah. What, why are they going? Is it like? I think just like yeah, I think the guy who <clears throat> does them wants to quit, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just better that way. To yeah. 
call it quits uh, and like leave the brand as something good yeah. or like yeah like keep the name uh, yeah. with this dignity instead of you know Absolutely. letting it go go to someone else who drags it in the dirt like the way that happened with Fender back in like yeah. the, the mid 60s or Tobias basis yeah oh yeah uh, yeah or yeah so so many uh, yeah mm. so but uh, that's a nice segue Guthrie Govan because I want to talk about a bit about timing and groove and what it actually is yeah let's uh, uh, let's do that timing and groove in music and, and specifically bass playing uh, we were talking about Guthrie Govan before and I think I would I would honestly say if if you ask me who's the world's greatest guitar player, I would say Guthrie Govan every time. Yeah, he's he's up there with, for me as well uh, as well as well. And he's like the kind of player. Not only does he combine like ingenuity and imagination with the most blendingly technical skills you've ever seen. He also has the timing that is so like, it's so Impeccable. funky. Yeah, it's it's like he's slightly, ever so slightly behind the beat, and that what makes it groove so much. Yeah. And like groove and timing is obviously a very personal thing, right? It's yeah. it's not it's not easy to define. It's quite abstract. But like when you hear something that grooves, it grooves. Yeah, and. Uh- as, as bass players, I think we are very much dependent on what drummer we are playing with. Yeah. And that's, I have this theory uh, that everyone has a certain way of treating time. Yeah. Everyone, every human being has a timing DNA or fingerprint, if you will. Yeah. And um, I think that's why some bands never sound quite right together mm. because the drummer and the bass player are treating time differently. Yeah. Whereas some bands, like for instance, for instance, Iron Maiden, uh, mm. s- both Steve and Nico have been treating time the same way yeah. throughout the years. Whereas with Clive, you could hear a different type of like timing because he was more laid back and Steve was always pushing him. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that they were out of time with each other, but there was a different type of groove there. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I, th- I think that's like hugely important in terms of you know um, groove absolutely uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because the band i was previously in for almost 10 years like i we evolved together the drummer and i like we we changed how we play certain songs and stuff like from how we play if that makes sense yeah and I don't know, like timing and groove is like, t- take someone like Mike Portnoy, for example. We discussed this a yeah. lot. Uh, one of the most amazing drummers in the world, obviously. Fantastic technical skills, but he's also like a groover when he wants to. He's always, again, slightly behind the beat. Uh, he's like a bit laid back in that sense, but that's what gives it character, you know? Yeah, and he's got. He is he has his imperfections yeah. in a way i mean I'm, I'm 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 not saying that in a way that oh he's he's he sucks yeah. it's it's like you can hear the human element in his play absolutely uh, whereas mike mangini is all close to flawless yeah. in terms of technique and he's as precise as the atomic clock yeah. essentially and i think to me that's why i've lost interest in dream theater yeah. uh, over the years and why i've uh, gravitated towards more uh, the stuff that Sons of Apollo and uh, such are doing yeah. because I like that type of groove. It's the same, I think, with uh, with Haken. Yeah, uh, actually, Ray Hearn. Yeah, yeah, Ray. Yeah, I mean, he's got an amazing sense of groove. Yeah, and uh, maybe it, it has to do with him being a tuba player. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, he's the one who plays yeah. the tuba on Celestial Elixir. Yeah, yeah I, I think he actually majored in in the tuba. Nice uh, <laughs> at music college. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes so much I sense think, when you say it because now I think back to his drumming. And yeah, it's it's kind of melodical in a way his drumming. Yeah, totally, and you can hear. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, he's a very yeah melodic player. He he uh, he's not just 
beat, beat, beat. Yeah. I think he thinks melodies and follows the melodies. Absolutely. Just listen to like Nightingale, the latest single. He absolutely yeah. follows the, the like the melody. And like take another example, like Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino when they play with John Mayer. I mean that that rhythm section is just like like there's something like otherworldly when you have a bass player and a drummer that just lock together. You know. Yeah, it's uh, you can't you can't beat that. Yeah, that's like <clears throat> I, I think uh, the two most important members of any band are the singer and the drummer yeah uh, if you have a great drummer and a great singer then it's it's fine then you're, yeah. then you're good to go uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm willing to die on this hill because mm-hmm. I, I really think so yeah because uh, all of the the all of the great bands that you're like oh they are they're amazing they always have great drummers and great singers because that's what that's what that's what moves people yeah um, the the singer is is the singer, which is like the 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 vocal connection to the audience, and the drummer is the one that makes them move. Yep. And uh, then I mean, if you have an amazing guitar player, great. But if the amazing guitar player is accompanied by a incompetent drummer mm. and uh, uh, or a lousy singer, then it's gonna you know drag the whole experience down. So Absolutely. I think. So going back to like timing and groove, I think. Us as bass players, we are very much dependent on what drummer we are playing with. And yeah. I mean, of course, you can be an amazing bass player on your own and have a great groove. Yeah. Uh, I, I myself, I, I never, <laughs> I never place myself in that situation when I need to. <laughs> right. I need to hold down a groove for for too long on my own. It's like yeah. it's uh, that's that's always nerve wracking. Uh, and that's not my style either. I'm I'm a metal and rock player, so I, I never find myself doing like the, doing the the ten hour slap breaks. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you get the point. I do. Um, yeah. But then then yeah. there are obviously some bass players who can combine that great sense of groove with that like solo technique ability, like uh, Michael Manring, for instance. Yeah. He can make like uh, emotional, provocative pieces, like the enormous room. But yeah, then, but shit. then he has like funky stuff, like Monkey Businessman and stuff, and it's just like, he, where does this guy come from? He's an alien, you know. He's unbelievable, and it's the same with Billy, yeah. Yeah, Billy Sheen, because everyone's like, oh, he's only he's only about you know playing fast, hmm. and playing a lot of notes. Well, have you listened to any of the Mr. Big songs? Yeah, like, listen to to be with you. Yeah, there is no crazy soloing going on there. It's it's a pop song, and that's we're all that's all it. the way up. Yeah, I love that song. It's cheesy as fuck, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean you, you you shouldn't fight the cheese, right? I, I I I mean, if it's cheesy, then it means that it's good. Yeah. I, I guess you could say. I mean, it it, it provokes emotion. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, it's that's why I love Toto so much because I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's so cheesy. It's about it's only about girls." And yeah, but that's what life is about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about love. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of great rhythm sections, the Pokara Brothers. Oh God. Oh God. Amazing. And they're all gone yeah. now, sadly. Yeah. Uh, except for Steve. Oh, Pokhara. he's still alive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The keyboard. Uh, keyboard brother. I, I hope so. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I need. To <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. But yeah. Like um, even though David Hungate did a great job, he's the one who plays on Rosanna for. Yeah. For instance, like Mike Pocaro, like speaking of steady bass players with like a sense yeah. of groove, he never played anything that was out of like out of style no. or extra anything. He just supported I mean, the songs. Yes, the you know the yeah. That yeah. One. Don't shame my heart and the. Uh, uh, Yeah, <laughs> the uh, Amsterdam live of uh, Africa when I did a solo. Like, mm. Holy shit! Yeah. Amazing. So to cap this off, timing and groove is something very personal. But when you hear it, you know it. And yeah. having the basis of a good bass player that knows how to interact with the drummer, then you're already already like ninety percent there. Yeah, exactly. That's, and then you that's... also need to. Uh, I don't know. You, 
you need to like feel the music and it's funny because so many people think that oh you're educated on music you can't have a groove or timing like the classic <laughs> cl- like... cliche you know yeah it's like but it's like there's like music theory and music practice they're not opposites to each other they're part no. of a whole you know <laughs> yeah it, it's like oh you can't speak with emotion because you know how to read yeah <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> it makes as much sense yeah, it makes total sense these strange times. Anyway. So, yeah, so this has been, oh great, it's another base podcast. Yep. Episode one, season one. Um, so we're aiming at doing this, I guess, every third week or so, something like that. Yep. We are, I mean, we are drawing close to the end of uh, 2022. Mm. So I guess we, the next one is going to be a uh, end of year. Yeah, maybe uh, like a Christmas, thingy. New Year's thing. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's. I mean, it's always good to start off with a Christmas special, right? That's, everybody <laughs> like loves the Simpsons. Christmas special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but no, no dogs in here. Only cats. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mine's been sleeping here. Well, uh, we're <laughs> hoping to get some interesting guests to have on the podcast yeah. as well. So, so be on the lookout for it. But yeah, yeah this has been be. over an hour of two dudes just speaking about bass. Yeah, I hope you liked it. Yeah, me too. So, uh, thank you, Sam. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Until next time. Until next Bye. time. Bye. <laughs>